hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Christmas can be, I think, one of the most joyful times of the year, but it can also be really, really stressful. I read one study that said that Christmas was actually the, most, uh, the sixth most stressful life event that you could have. Who's been out shopping in the last few days and experienced the stress of Christmas time? So I want to begin today by looking at how we can continue to have some Christmas joy, all right? Here's Jonty's tips for Christmas joy. Number one, no repeat work days. And everyone who works in a supermarket knows exactly what I'm talking about. I used to work in a supermarket and you just get sick of it. No one minds a Christmas carol or a song, but I don't want to hear the same one over and over again. I work in a school and we work just above where the auditorium is and there have been classes practicing their their act that they're going to do for the end of year prize giving and multiple times a day that we've heard the same song over and over again. And there's only so many times you can hear it's the most wonderful time of year before you start to hate this time of year. So play that song once, sing it loud, and then please move on. That's going to make your life more joyful. Number two, don't start too early. I lived in England for six years, and in England they begin celebrating Christmas right around after the summer holidays finish, which is September. Uh, that was when the Christmas trees and the decorations and the holiday aisle all came into the shop. Now listen, if you're extreme, I accept that you might want to start one month early. That's acceptable, 25th of November. But everyone knows the beginning of the Christmas season is December the 1st. Mark it in your diary. If you're going earlier than that, it's too early. Trust me on this, you don't wish it was Christmas every day. Right? Number three, give one good gift. Gift giving is stressful, and you can't buy everyone perfect gifts, but try and work hard to find one gift that is meaningful for someone else. There's great satisfaction in that. Number four, focus on what matters. Remember that Christmas is not just about the gifts and the songs and the time with your family, who happily you only have to see once a year. Christmas is about the food. And Christmas is about finding that food that says Christmas to you. Find something that reminds you of Christmas and enjoy it. For me, it's the Christmas ham and the pavlova with berries. That's Christmas, right? Yes, I've got some agreement out there. But whatever it is for you, find that food that you enjoy. Number five, do take that moment to deeply think about Jesus. Do whatever it takes to consider again the greatness of what his coming means what he has done, and that will bring you joy that will last. And that's why we're doing this series at the moment called Glory in the Highest. We're looking at the Christmas carol, Angels We Have Heard on High. This is the story of the angels and the shepherds. And today our focus is on that group of people those angels came to sing to, the shepherds. We're going to look at the scripture that's represented by these words. The second verse goes, Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? So if you've got a Bible, turn to Luke 2, and we're going to look at some of these verses. Because the angels came with a message to the shepherds and then sent them as messengers, as messengers 
to bring this joyous song to others. Here's the thing, though. The Bible is remarkably brief on the actual birth of Jesus. Mary probably feels a little bit shortchanged by this. There's literally just a few words in the whole Bible about the birth. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6 to 7 of Luke says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. It's just that easy. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Was it easy or hard? Were there complications? The Bible doesn't say. So we assume that the birth of Jesus is a normal and natural thing which is to say that it was probably the most horrific and awful thing ever, as anyone who's actually given birth will tell you. Sorry, Sarah Taylor, it's going to be great. But, but God made sure it was seen for what it was. We don't see a lot about Jesus' birth, but we have a lot of rich details about the events surrounding his birth. And particularly, we have the story about the shepherds and their part in Jesus' birth. Now, we've all probably heard this story a number of times, but I think it's rewarding to explore this story deeply. Have you ever thought about those shepherds and wondered why? Why would you make the greatest announcement ever to these guys? Why would you choose them as the messengers of a great story? Could the angels not make it into people's houses? Could they not have gone door to door? Could they not have appeared over a city? Was it the wrong time to go to the local synagogue or the temple and let the seekers know their Messiah had come? Did they accidentally do it in the middle of the night? And they're like, oh man, if only we'd done it at prime time, everyone would have seen us, but who's around? Ah, oh, just these guys. Because the thing is, shepherds were as common as they come. In ancient Greek thought, a shepherd held about as much value as a thief. They had no command of people, and there was no honor in their profession. The lower members of the family were used as shepherds. Think of David, the youngest, tending his father's flock. They would not be allowed in the home of a person of privilege or wealth, and certainly not in the home of a king. They were nomadic. These shepherds often lived a day's walk from home, and they would spend a long time away from the city. They were rough, they were isolated, they were unable to get the word out there easily. So why? Why did God give so great a message to such poor messengers? Well, I think there are three reasons for it that are important for us today, and we're going to explore them. The first is this. I think these messengers tell us about the message. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Can you just imagine this scene for a moment? Imagine being there. They're sitting in the dark, and all of a sudden, this light begins to dawn. Man, they think, that was a quick night. Did I fall asleep? Is it actually dawn already? And this dawn is happening all around them, and then all of a sudden, they see the light is coming from an angel. And he stands before them, and they are terrified. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The angel tells them to relax. This is a message of good news that will cause great joy. For what people? For all people. 
Well, hang on a second, angel. Do you mean the important people? No, no, no. All people. All the, the worthy people. No. All people. The rich people? No, no. All people. And then he emphasizes this amazingly, Luke does, in the next two verses. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, who has the baby been born to? To you. Now, he wasn't talking to me. I wasn't there. And he wasn't talking to you. You weren't there either. The angel was talking to the shepherds. This baby has been born for all people, but specifically in this moment, the angel is saying, this baby has been born for you, shepherds. You dirty boys in need of a good bath, he is born to you. And he goes on. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, three times this story mentions the manger the feeding trough. It is one of the most important details of the whole story. The angel tells the shepherds that this will be a sign to you. Now, the NSRV says, uh, this is for you. There's a lot of prophecy that's fulfilled in Jesus' birth, but as far as I know, this was not one of them. In other words, the reason that Jesus was born in a manger was specifically so these shepherds would relate to him. It was a scene that was set up for them. How awesome is that? See, the messages tell us about the message. What kind of Lord, Messiah, King, is it coming? It's one that chooses to be lowly, to be like the ones he most cares about. I once heard the uh, rock singer Bono talk about what convinced him that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. He said that it was sitting in a church, looking at a nativity scene, and considering what it meant to have God with us in this kind of a scene. He said, love here describes itself as a child born in straw poverty, the most vulnerable situation of all, without honor. He said, this understanding that God lives uh, and loves the people amongst the poo told him that he mattered to God. See, the messengers tell us that, that the gospel is for everyone. And this is a big deal. If we didn't get that this humble birth was enough, the messengers surely tell us what kind of a savior he would be. Maybe you're here tonight and you wondered, is this Christian thing for me? Is it just for those who are spiritual? Those who pray so well and look so holy? Those who know the words? Is it just for the intelligent? Those who spend time and energy to study and understand theology? What the messengers tell us is that the message, the message is for you. Maybe you're an office worker who spends all day looking at spreadsheets and trying to figure out mail mergers. Maybe you work uh, with people and have seen the low places people can go. I once talked with someone who said to me, following Jesus is easy for you. You're like a, a priest. You're holier than me, and you've read the Bible. Now, two things. Number one, his opinion of me is, is much, much too high. 
And number two, the story of the shepherds tell us that the Savior is as much for him as he is for every person. Maybe you're here today and you've been beaten up by 2020. And you wonder whether even God, uh, God even still cares about this messy world. What the shepherds tell us is that Jesus never stops caring. He gets in amongst the mess of our lives. He didn't come to comfortable surrounds. He came to the messy places. He always has. He always will. The message of, of peace with God is for all people. The nobodies are somebodies to God. Can I ask you today, do you know this God who not only cares about everything you do, but cares about all people? Why the shepherds? Because the messengers tell us about the message. And secondly, the shepherds tell us about Jesus' purpose. See, Bethlehem shepherds had a particular job. Uh, Migdal Ida is the tower of, known as the Tower of the Flock. And that's the place where lambs who were destined for the temple were born and raised. Every firstborn male lamb from around Bethlehem was considered holy. And it was set aside for sacrifices in Jerusalem. The shepherds would separate the lambs, choosing only the perfect firstborn males to drive to Jerusalem. There the lambs would be brought by those who wished to atone for their sins. On the same mountain where Abraham had offered his son to the Lord, the lambs would shed their blood and lose their lives as that atonement. It was an endless cycle. And that was the job of these shepherds. And while the shepherds can't have known, they were the perfect people to see this newborn baby because he was declared to be the Messiah, the Lord, the new king, the lamb whose sacrifice will take away our sins. He was a king, but not a king as they would recognize him. See, Jesus arrived when Caesar Augustus was at the height of his power. Caesar Augustus became the sole ruler of the Roman world after a bloody civil war in which he overpowered all others. Augustus turned the Roman Empire into a republic, into an empire with himself at the head. He proclaimed that he had brought justice and peace to the whole world. He then declared that his adoptive father, Julius Caesar, was a god and declared that he was the son of God. Augustus, people said, was the saviour of the world. He was its king. He was its lord. And then we see the angels come to the shepherds and instead of someone who rules by blood, by might, by power, we see someone who rules by sacrifice. Behold Jesus, coming as a lamb, who would die to achieve what only bloodshed and might could be achieved by others. No wonder the angels then cry out. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Gloria in an excelsis Deo. In that moment, his favor rested on some forgotten shepherds. The favor of God, 
who could have come with armies and set up his own kingdom. Instead, the warhead, the, the beginning, the invasion party of this new kingdom was some stinky, smelly, long-forgotten shepherds. Because the purpose of Jesus was to fulfill the work that they were doing. The endless sacrifices would end. It was a work of true glory and it would bring peace to all. Why the shepherds? Because they reflect his purpose. We should too. Not as those who always try to get our way through our might, our control, our power. But as those who reflect the Lamb in the way that we treat others, in the way that we love our world. Number three, why the shepherds? Because the message had to be kept quiet, but also needed to be sheltered. Let's read these verses from chapter, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now we're told at this time that there was some danger for baby Jesus. Announcing his arrival to absolutely everyone would have been too much. But there is a sense that heaven could not keep silence about this one. They had to go and let somebody know this was big news. Have you ever had a secret that's so big that it's almost bursting out of you? Maybe you met a girl, or you found out you were pregnant, or uh, you know, there's that weird thing when you find out you're pregnant, where they say, oh, I probably don't tell people for about 12 weeks. And you're like, 12 weeks? What, are you kidding me? I have to hang on to it for that long? But these guys couldn't hang on to the secret. They had to let someone know. When I got engaged, we wanted to keep it quiet for a bit until we'd let people close to us know. We had a plan to tell our workmates together, but the day after I asked Joanna to marry me, pretty good decision, I came in and it must have shone on my face or something because one of my workmates came up to me and he said to me, he just looked at me and he went, did you do it? Did you you ask Joanna to marry you? I was like, "How, how did you know? How did you know? You know? I didn't say anything about any of this, but somehow he knew. And he gave me a massive hug, which I didn't really want either. <laughs> it was a secret, though, that was impossible to keep. And so was the story of Jesus' birth. The shepherds couldn't keep it to themselves. And the people were amazed. But we don't know what that means. What does it mean that they were amazed? Hopefully it means they believed them and were excited. But equally, it could mean they're astonished at the behavior of these shepherds. So let's remember that that shepherds lived a nomadic existence. I had a friend whose job it was to go out and um, trap possums. That's what he did for the Department of Conservation. And he would spend time out in the bush. Whenever he came back from the bush, he was just a little bit more weird. And just his beard was a little bit bigger. 
this time away have just made him go loopy. And it's almost as though people could have looked at these shepherds and gone, how's things going out in the fields, guys? Uh, these shepherds were chosen so they could shout it out loud. But for reasons that wouldn't go too far. Our message of Christmas, though, is one to be shouted. If you've really met the Saviour, then your response will be the same as the angels and the same as the shepherds. Here is the good news of great joy that all people, all people have to know. And whoever you are, God can use you to shout this message. I want you to have a think about who you need to let this message of Christmas out to this year. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be, which inspire your heavenly song. See, the, message, the messengers tell us about the message. They also tell us about God's purpose. And they have a message that had to be kept quiet, but needs to be shouted. It's time. The Messiah has come. The Lord is here. Peace on earth to all men, to the greatest of people, and to the least. God is for you. I want you to consider one more thing about these shepherds. Think about how many times they would have needed to have an angel turn up. I think this, this one revelation would have been all that they ever needed. Do they need another angel? How many things would they have needed to see Jesus do? How many times would they need to say to God, Oh God, have you really shown yourself to me? They could be, have been grandparents, sitting immobile and worn by life, but they'll still be praising God for bringing this baby to bring peace to all men. They would have known him and never forgotten. You never know. They may have been at the cross. They may have seen what he was doing, working them out of a job, seeing that he came as a ransom for many. They would still tell their grandkids, you should have seen it. The glory of God, the angel, the praises of the host, the baby who was lying in that place just for us. But for some reason, we're not the same. We have these amazing forgetteries. That's a real word. We forget easily the reality of our Savior, our Messiah, and Lord, and over time, as life happens, sometimes it begins to fade into insignificance. I've had a few of my friends walk away from God, and what always saddens me about it is that they are people I know have had amazing encounters with God. They've experienced Him in powerful ways. They've cried out to Him in desperate and dangerous situations and seen Him come through. They've been touched by his spirit. They've found his love, even probably more than I have. Yet they chose not to continue following him. May we be those who only ever need this one revelation. That this baby is the Messiah, the Lord, the King. 
We need to be those who hang on to the revelation we have. And there's a really simple way we do this. We remember. We remember the times God has touched us. We remember the change he has made in our lives. And at Christmas, we remember that a baby born in a manger was born for the people of the poo, for the people like us, for the people who are down and dirty, people like you and people like me. And we sing his praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.